Welcome to The God Solution, a place where we discuss solid evidence for the Christian faith and interviews with leading Christian apologists. Each week, you'll be encouraged in your faith and equipped to defend it and share it in your daily life. You can find out more about The God Solution at godsolutionshow.com. Now, here's your host, Nate Herbst. Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I am so excited to be back in the studio with you again. Well, this week brought yet another tragedy, another mass shooting in California. It is unfortunate that these types of things are almost becoming common, but I don't think that any of us feel any less hurt by them as we hear them again and again and again. I think every time I hear one of these news flashes, it breaks my heart, and I'm sure you're the same. And for many of us, these are the times when we start to ask some of the deepest questions that maybe at other times are easy to forget about. I talk to a lot of young people about Christ, and a lot of times people tell me that they never even think about what's going to happen after death or how we should live or things like that. I think most of them are kidding me. I don't think that they really go throughout life without thinking of those questions. But I guarantee that when things like this happen, they draw us back to a point of thinking about those deep questions about the existence of life and what we should be doing and why we're here and where we're going and all these types of things like that. So every time there is a tragedy like this one, I always come back to the issue of the problem of evil and the problem of pain and suffering on the radio. It's one of those questions that people always ask, and I think it's always important to address it, especially in light of tragedies. And it's something that we as a Christian community need to get good at answering because the question is going to come up pretty frequently, especially if you're sharing your faith. People are going to ask you, if there is a good, all-powerful God, how could he allow things like that to happen? How could he allow people just to get gunned down while they're having a good night? Well, there are good answers to that, and I think it's good for us to be familiar with them so that we can answer them. So I want to talk about that on the show today. And I kind of want to veer into some other topics as well. But as we remember the tragedy that happened in California this week, I want to ask you to be praying for those families. I mean, these are families that lost loved ones, and they're going through unspeakably hard times right now. We need to be praying for them, praying that the Lord would be with them, and that they would find hope in their suffering. You'll see as we talk about this topic today on the show that hope in the context of suffering is something that we as Christians have that I don't believe a secular worldview has at all. But anyway, as we talk about this tragedy, let's not forget to be praying for those families that were affected by it. So as you all know, there was this incredible tragedy again this week out in California. More lives lost. It was horrible. And like I said, so many of these types of things seem to be happening in our society. There are a million different perspectives on the topic. Of course, people are going to talk about gun control and all that again. At the end of the day, though, there's so much more than just guns. At the end of the day, we live in a time in history when people really have forgotten their morals. People really have gotten away from a sense of accountability to a God that will judge each of us. And because of that, they really feel a freedom to do whatever they may please. In fact, If we teach people evolution over and over again, I talked recently with Dr. Fuzzron about evolution. If you were listening, you heard the show. He said one of the greatest dangers about evolution is exactly this. 
It's the implications that it has on ethics. And of course, bad implications don't necessarily mean that a worldview is false. I believe that evolution is false because it's scientifically false. It didn't happen. But that being said, it also has horrible ramifications. But if we tell everybody that there is no true accountability, God doesn't exist, there's no true accountability, and there are no true ethics or morality because we're all just atoms and molecules and basically our morals are just social constructs. And this is what most of the people today are being taught in our school systems and in our society. If those things are true, then this really doesn't matter. There is no real right or wrong, and there's no reason people should be stopped from doing these types of things because it's just atoms and molecules. Now, we as Christians know that's not true, and even non-Christians and even atheists know that's not true. They live like those things aren't true, but the worldview that they propose leads to these types of things, and it's crazy that our society doesn't connect those dots. If we tell people long enough that there is no true right or wrong and that they will not have to give an account to anyone, it goes without saying that they're going to act like there's no right or wrong and they're going to act like they don't have to give an account, that there's no accountability. And when we look around society, that's exactly what we're seeing. We are seeing the outflow of an atheistic worldview that is permeating our society. That is a truth. I promise you that as our society learns who God is, as people come to faith in Jesus, he will transform hearts, and they will have a sense of right and wrong, and they will have a motivation to serve him out of love, and that will truly keep people from things like this. So all that being said, I believe that the increase in tragedies that we're seeing throughout our society has a lot more to do with the human heart than anything else. And what we're seeing is the human heart on full display. We're seeing human sin and wickedness on full display because people are being told that they should follow their evil hearts, and they're doing just that. They've been told that there is no accountability, so they're living like it. They've been told that there is no ultimate right or wrong, so they're living like it. As Christians, the answer is to share the gospel because Jesus changes hearts. Jesus transforms people so that they don't want to do these types of things. That being said, when these things happen, they are tragic, and they break our hearts, and they break God's heart. Remember in John 11 how Jesus wept with Mary and Martha about the loss of Lazarus, even knowing the hope that there was in that situation. He was not emotionally detached from it. So we too grieve with our neighbors and with the people around us when we see things like this. Even though we know there's hope, we are still heartbroken over these tragedies. And we all have to deal with this problem of why. This, how could this happen? How could a good, all-powerful God allow this to happen? So I want to take a little time to dive into that topic as we process what we saw in the news this past week. So as we first start talking about the problem of evil— I think it's important to understand that everyone has to answer this. This isn't just a Christian question. I think a lot of times this is leveled at the Christian as if we were the only ones that had to answer the problem of evil, and that's not true. Every worldview has to explain evil, and some do a lot better job of it than others. You know, you have the Christian science cults, 
if you're not familiar with that term, we're not talking about Christians that are scientists, but we're talking about the unscientific Christian science cult and similar cults. Those cults just say evil doesn't even exist. It's just a mirage. It's just bad thinking. Well, that's a pretty poor explanation. Tell that to the grieving families that lost loved ones. That doesn't work. So some worldviews have terrible answers for the problem of evil, like the one I just explained. I would say that even atheists have about the most incoherent answer to this problem of anyone. Atheists recognize that evil is evil. They recognize that mass shootings are wrong, and they want to socially do something about it to stop it. But it's their very worldview that tells us that there is no God and that there's nothing more than the material world. If their worldview is true, then there is no such thing as evil. And if there is something called evil, then their worldview isn't true. Dr. Frank Turek, who's been on the show before, says that atheists have to steal from God to make their case against him. In other words, to say God can't exist because of evil, they first have to believe that there's evil, but if there's evil, there must be a standard of good and bad, and if there's a standard that exists outside of ourselves, that in itself is an argument for God, the moral argument. In other words, for the atheists to say that God can't exist because of evil, they have to imply that evil exists, and therefore God must exist. It is... A powerful argument against atheism. What I'm trying to say here, though, is that everyone has to answer this question. Atheists do a very poor job of explaining how there could be evil outside of them saying it's just a material world, so nothing really is evil. And in fact, some will tell you that. Dawkins says that. There's nothing but atoms and molecules and so forth and blind, pitiless indifference. He's claiming that there is no true evil, but of course he doesn't live like that. If you robbed him, he would say that was wrong, morally and ethically wrong. In fact, he claims that he won't debate Dr. William Lane Craig because Dr. Craig endorses genocide, which of course he doesn't. He's simply answering some of what happened in Judges in the Bible in the conquest of Canaan. But at the end of the day, we see that his own worldview doesn't work with itself. He says there's no evil, but then he claims there's evil, and he recognizes that it's true. So everyone has to deal with the problem of evil. Unfortunately, for the atheists, they do a very poor job of giving us a coherent answer to the problem of evil. On top of that, they have no hope. If you're an atheist, there's no ultimate purpose. There's no eternity to look forward to where all evils will be made right. So it's a hopeless situation if you're an atheist, on top of one in which there's no real answer for the problem in the first place. So everyone has to answer this question. And I think as Christians, we actually have a very good, coherent answer to the problem of evil. So I like to start with the issue of what is evil, because when people say, if God is good and all-powerful, how could he allow evil? Well, let's first talk about what evil is. Evil isn't a substance or a quantity that God created or that exists outside of God's power. It's not something that God is powerless to stop, nor is it something that he created and therefore is himself evil. It's neither of the two. Evil, from a Christian perspective, is the failure to measure up to who God is. Let me put it in the perspective of this shooting that we just saw. God is love. Killing people is the antithesis of love. Therefore, It is failing to measure up to who God is and how God wants us to live. 
It's not something that God ordains. He's told us to love each other as ourselves. It's not something that God creates. It's something that an evil person disobeying God does. God simply gives us the freedom to choose what we will do. He tells us to follow him. Many of us say, no, we don't want to follow him. We want to do our own thing, so we sin, and that is, in its very essence, evil. It's the failure to measure up to the standard of goodness, which is God. So evil isn't something that God creates, but it's the failure to measure up to who God is and what he's required of us. It's kind of like darkness and light. Darkness isn't a quantity or a substance, but it's the absence of light. You could also think of it like cold. Cold isn't a quantity or it's not a substance, but it's the absence of heat. Evil is just like that. It's the absence of God's goodness, or it's the failure to measure up to who God is. Now, of course, I'm talking about moral evil here, and theologians would make a distinction between moral evil and natural evil. They might call natural evil things like hurricanes and earthquakes and volcanoes, where the natural world produces terrible effects in humanity. And But even as Christians, we understand why the natural world is in the state as it is in. We realize that even that is a consequence of man's sin, that the whole universe is in a process of decay. Side note, entropy is a real thing. The second law of thermodynamics is true. The Bible mentions many times that the universe is wearing out like a garment and that it's in a process of decay and that all of that started with man's sin. So man's sin, at the end of the day, is the reason we have natural evil and it's the reason we see moral evil. All of it comes back to our rebellious decision to go against the living God and what he says is right. Now, it's not just humans, of course, that do this. There is a real Satan. He's not just a mythical creature that runs around with a pitchfork. He's a real person, a real spiritual person whose entire existence is comprised of evil. His desire is to do evil. In fact, Jesus said that he comes to steal and kill and destroy. And the Bible tells us very clearly that he is very active on this world, and he's tempting people throughout this world to go against God's good statutes, to disobey God and do evil. So when people fail to measure up to who God is and what he's asked of us, that is evil. And we also have a spiritual enemy, Satan, and all the demons that are aligned with him that are consumed with the purpose of fostering evil here on this planet and tempting others to evil. Now, to those that think that that sounds goofy or corny, just look at what we see happening around the world when we see things like this mass shooting, or when we see things like abortion, where 3,000 babies a day are murdered, or when we see things like terrorism, where people are beheaded and burned alive in cages. When we see these types of things throughout the world, there is no other way to describe them than evil. And I think it's safe to say that most sane, clear-thinking humans would be appalled at these things, but still there is a power in this world that drives people to those things. That is evil, and it is demonic, and we have a real spiritual enemy that is leading people towards evil. But all of us have free wills, 
And it is that very freedom that God has given us to freely choose him that we can use against him and against his will to do things that he has told us are not right. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution. We're talking about the problem of evil, pain, and suffering. We're remembering this tragedy in California this past week. It was terrible. It was unfortunate to hear yet another mass shooting. At the end of the day, the reality is that people are sinners and that we are sinning against a perfect God who has told us to love each other. And so often, in whichever way it might be, we come up short of that, and that truly is evil. As we consider how evil could exist in this world, we've been talking about how evil isn't a quantity that God created or something he is powerless over, but it is simply the failure to measure up to who he is. And because he gave us the freedom to freely choose him, he also allowed us the freedom to do the opposite of what he calls us to. There's really no other way that he could allow us that freedom to choose him. Unfortunately, many people use their freedom against God's will and do evil. A couple of years ago, I was witnessing to a lady that was on a ski lift with me. And she said, I think everyone just needs to follow their heart. And that's the way to know what's right to do. And I said, my wife just got back from Cambodia where she was helping young ladies that had been trafficked. And they're trafficked because there were people following their heart that were abusing them. And this lady on the ski lift said, well, those people shouldn't follow their heart. And I asked her, well, who should follow their heart? If those people are following their heart and doing terrible, evil things, where do we draw the line to say when it's right to follow our heart and when it's not? See, if the world just says follow your heart, we end up with what we see in the world, tragedy all around. But when we're told, like the Bible tells us, that we can't trust our heart and that we must trust what God says— We go to his word and see that we're called to love each other, to forgive each other, to bless each other, not hurt each other. So why does God allow evil? God doesn't cause evil, and he's not the source of evil. It's our issue when we fail to measure up to who he is and what he's required of us. But why does he allow it? Of course, God could just put his foot down and stop it. He could have popped the tires of the gunman as he went to that nightclub the other night. Why would God allow it? Allowing is different than causing. You can't be held accountable for not stopping someone's free will. But why would a sovereign God allow this? Well, the Christian response is that God can bring good even out of tragedy and that there are good reasons that he could allow evil to happen. One is that he allows us to see an urgency of salvation. See, we all know that we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And if there was no evil on this planet, if things like this never happened, we might come to think that we're safe until the very end. Just have your fun now and get right with God some other day. In reality, we all live with a sense of urgency, knowing that salvation and eternity are on the line. And the sooner I get an agreement with who God is and what he's asked of me, the better it is for me. So these things demonstrate a sense of urgency. They also highlight the fact that Decisions have consequences. We know this, but in an eternal sense, it's important to be reminded of this. You know, evil also gets our attention. C.S. Lewis said that pain is God's megaphone to the world. And that's true. When we hear of tragedies like this, they bring us back to seeking hope in God because hope is only found in God. Like I said, the atheist has no answer to these types of tragedies. But 
when things like this happen, they call us back to him. They get our attention. You know, God doesn't necessarily stop evil. He doesn't cause it, but he can allow it because he is patiently waiting for people, even the perpetrators and the victims of evil, to find him. He is patiently waiting, not wanting any to perish. He tells us that in his word. He doesn't want any to perish. He wants all to be saved. And so he's patient with us, even when he has to wait through incredible human sin. See, God can bring great eternal good even out of terrible human sin. We're told that in Scripture. Romans 8.28 is a famous, famous verse that explains that. But it really is true. And as Christians, we know that there's great hope even in the context of the worst pain, suffering, and evil. No one can take away the hope that we have in our Lord and Savior. We also know as Christians that all evil will be dealt with, either at the cross or in hell. So justice will always prevail, and all evil will be punished. And this is a reality that only Christians understand. See, in most faiths, if you do enough good, if your good outweighs the bad, you make it in. That's how most human religion is made up. But at the end of the day, there is no remedy for our sin. There's no payment for our sin. It's just not as much as our good. And so you might make it in if you're lucky. This is true of Islam and in so many other faiths. But sin is never dealt with. In Christianity, every sin is dealt with. For those that put their faith and trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord, they are forgiven because their sin was paid for at the cross. In other words, the punishment for that sin was justly administered to Jesus, God himself in human form, in a human body on the cross. Our sin was punished in him. And for those that don't believe in Jesus and go on to die without him, they will go to an eternity apart from him where that evil will be punished. See, as Christians, we know that justice will always prevail and all evil will be punished. None of it will be left unpunished. And while we understand that hopeful concept, we also have the hope that God will bring good out of all the evil that happens on this earth. God will get people's attention, so people that might otherwise not have made it to an eternity with him in heaven will, and that will be very good. God will bring good out of it in more ways than we can ever imagine. But we can know with certainty that he will bring good out of it, especially for those that love him, who are called according to his purposes. He promises us that. So as believers, we have hope in the midst of suffering. We don't go through life without hope. In fact, a good analogy that I've heard is that of a tapestry. You might look at a tapestry from one side, and it looks like knots and frays and strings going every which way and colors that don't make any sense. And you might look at it from one side, from the back side, and think there is absolutely no purpose to that mess of string and yarn and color. What was the artist thinking when they made that? But when you go to the other side, you see a tapestry that is beautifully woven. You see the designer's intention coming out in a beautiful picture in that tapestry. That's something that we as Christians know to be true, that from the perspective of time and earth, we can look at things with a big question mark, not understanding why in the world would God allow this. 
But when we get to eternity in heaven, we will see for the first time why God allowed everything that he allowed on this planet to happen. And we will see for the first time that he allowed it precisely for the greatest possible eternal good to come out of it. See, if this world was all there was, then truly, why would God allow pain or discomfort in this world? Because if this was all there was, this would be the end, and you'd imagine that any good God would want us to be as happy and comfortable as possible for this short time, if, indeed, this was all we had. But as Christians, we know there's more. There's an eternity at stake. If God can allow some pain and suffering now on this earth, so that greater numbers of people could be with him for eternity in heaven. Why in the world would he not allow that? See, as believers, we know that we have hope. And that hope cannot be taken away from us, no matter what. Everyone asks those why questions. You know, everyone asks, why would God allow this? How could God allow this? They're very good apologetical answers to that. I've briefly touched on a few of those. You can go back to thegodsolutionshow.com and get past shows where we talked about this topic. You could read C.S. Lewis's famous book, The Problem of Pain. That's a great, great book that deals with this. Maybe more recently, you could look at Why Does God Allow Evil by Clay Jones. We also had him on the show talking about this topic about a year ago. But you could check out the show Why Does God Allow Evil by Clay Jones or pick up his book with that topic, in the, with that title. But at the end of the day, I don't want to just make this a theoretical conversation. There are people that are hurting right now. People in our city, people in our neighborhoods who are dealing with tremendous loss. I have friends who recently lost a a dear son to them who was an adult son. And this was the second child that they've lost in the past year. Uh, My heart breaks for them. I know that they're dealing with unspeakable tragedy. There are people like that all around us. And sometimes for those people, the temptation is just to give them lots of answers. Sometimes that's the last thing that we need to do. Sometimes we need to be there just to put an arm around them and tell them that we love them, tell them that we're praying for them, tell them that there's hope. If you're dealing with tragedy and listening right now, maybe the arguments that I shared on the air today seem like empty words because you're dealing with a lot of pain. Well, I want you to know that right now, the Lord Jesus himself loves you dearly, and he is walking with you through this pain. He desires to carry those burdens with you. He tells us that in Matthew 11, in 1 Peter 5, Philippians 4. I encourage you to draw near to him and to to share with him what you're going through, allowing him to give you his peace and joy. I know he will. He's done it with me every single time I've persevered through trials like these, and I know he'll do it with you too. And ultimately, if you don't know Jesus, that's the whole reason I do this show is to share the hope that I have in Christ with you. If you've never met Jesus, he is very real, and the evidence confirms that. But more than just the academic evidence is the reality of him in our daily lives. He desires to be a part of your life. He tells you that he loves you and wants to be in relationship with you, but that because of your sin, that's not possible. A sinner can't be with a perfect God. But thankfully, Jesus, God in human flesh, came and died on the cross, and he paid for all my sins, 
Then he rose again to conquer death, promising all those that believe in him eternal life. And that's the ultimate hope that we have when we think about tragedies like what we saw this past week, is that there is the hope of eternal life. If you've never believed in Jesus, Savior, and Lord, I would ask you to take that step today and to even tell him that right now in prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. Today I ask you to be my Savior and my Lord. If you took that step today, will you go to godsolutionshow.com and use the contact form to get in touch with us and let us know a little bit about yourself? We would love to be there to encourage you in your faith and in your new walk with the Lord. Whoever you are today, there are people all around you that are hurting and they need to hear the hope that you have in Jesus. In fact, 1 Peter three fifteen is very clear that we need to share the hope that we have with others that ask us. So my encouragement to you is to sharpen up on your apologetics, but not just so that you'll be able to win debates. Really, the point is to be able to share the hope that you have with a world that is full of tragedy and hopelessness. And you know what? When we see tragedies like this, it's always an opportunity to share the hope of Christ with people. Go to GodSolutionShow.com, get all of our past shows. Definitely let us know what you think about the show when you're there. And definitely use what you're learning to share the hope that you have in Christ with the people that you cross paths with each and every day. Well, like I always say, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. I believe that with all my heart. I believe the evidence is absolutely watertight and compelling for who he is and what he offers. But I also believe that he walks with us in a personal way that no one can deny. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to The God Solution with Nate Herbst. We hope that you were encouraged by what you heard today and are better equipped to share Christ this week. You can get the audio from today's broadcast and all the past God Solution shows at GodSolutionShow.com. Thanks for listening and being a part of The God Solution.